just one of kings, better than none and ring. That's why we're here to sing football. Yes, yes, people. Welcome along to another North London 40. Woo! Welcome back, everyone. It's been a few weeks, and we didn't know if we would do another podcast about the NBA playoffs and the finals. But because it's been so, well, so hashtag YOLO, I guess, we decided Mm. to, didn't we? Yeah, we did. They couldn't keep us away. They couldn't. So the good news is, is again, you don't have to rely on us to talk about the um, NBA playoffs and the NBA finals preview at length. We've got a really great special guest, um, someone, and I really mean this, such a great pundit. And I think one of my favorite pundits from uh, this country on any sport. And, and in a way, seeing him do what he did inspired us to do these uh, basketball pods. He is... From Sky Sports coverage of the NBA, a balling legend from the UK, Martin Henlon, will be on North London 40 today. Woo! See, he's that good, he gets another woo. <laughs> no, he's, he's really dope. So he's going to be coming on and talking a little bit about that. And um, not that much NFL stuff to kind of talk about, Inye, right? No? No, we are, uh, you know, right now over here in England, we're in silly season. But in the NFL, you know, they're, they're smart. They're cool. They're calm. They're collected. They're just they're, – they're doing OTAs. They're doing camps. We could talk about Peyton Manning doing fake handoffs, but really, who cares at this point? Although there is one thing you can quickly mention. Okay. Andrew Luck. I heard you went and saw him recently. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago now. But, yeah, I went to see Andrew Luck. And blessings and salutations to him and, and everybody that was down there at that event. Shout to shout to uh, my mate David, who I went with. And um, shout to Will, bumped into, we're hanging out with him too. Yeah, what a guy. What an a- This league is in safe hands, right? So not only did I meet up with him, I, yesterday I was reading the um, new ESP, well, new-ish ESPN magazine. It's been out a couple of weeks, 15th anniversary edition with the big RG3 piece about him is... Um, the league is in really good hands. Andrew Luck, not only is he the um, the real deal in terms of his quarterback play, but, you know, really, really great guy for the NFL to, to kind of do stuff with. And, you know, pretty smart, too, because he came over for the Champions League final. Dope game, but, you know, let's, let's not go there. But, but, you know, smartly thought, ah, maybe I can get my kind of trip paid for by doing some sort of NFL stuff at the same time, of which he did it really, really well. So generally a smart... Smart move and everybody won, which is unusual. Why is it unusual that everyone wins? You're in, you're in the presence of future greatness, and he knows London, and he's, you know, he's lived here, of course. It, was, it, it seemed to be a great event, and I'm very jealous that I missed out. Yeah, and and it's interesting because it, there's been some articles this week, you know, talking about not just Andrew Luck, but um, you know, they're classing him as the four now, right? So you've got Andrew Luck, RG three, uh, Big Cap, and Russell Wilson, classing mm. them the f- as the four in the way that now the way that the CBA is structured, teams that get teams that have those four, qu- one of those four quarterbacks have such an advantage because mm. if you look at what they're getting them for the price that they're getting them. For the next four seasons, they can do such creative stuff with their cap. Now, the Redskins are a little bit foobard because of those cap fines they have from a couple of seasons ago. So they've obviously ballsed it. But, like, if you know, you look at the um, the Western Conference team. Sorry, I'm thinking basketball ahead. Uh, NFC um, West teams, you know, they have – they're able to stockpile all these extra great players. Great Bill Barnwell piece this, this week about it on, on Grantland, you know, in the fact that San Francisco could go out and they could get Bolden and they could get Namandi Asamara and they could get Lawrence Sequoia and, and, and people like that to do it because they're paying so little for these quarterbacks. Versus other teams, obviously, the Max Money guys, the Aaron Rodgers and the um, the Tom Brady's of this world and the Peyton Manning's, obviously, they're on a different level. But it kind of puts these mid-range guys on big money. Barnwell talks about Philip Rivers and, and uses him as an example. They're like, these guys are looking like a real waste of money now, right? And, and you think, hmm, yeah, it kind of makes sense. So, you know, I think that... Some of these guys that come out of the draft, and God, let's not talk about any of these guys anymore. You know, people, I think, look at them in a different way. And I think that we're starting to think about them because fantasy football 
invites came out this week. Can you believe that? We'll have a fantasy preview pod, of course. That fantasy is going to happen in August. And, you know, we'll, we'll have some more pods for sure between now and the season starts. Um, close to the end of, end of September, we'll, we'll have fantasy stuff and preview stuff. And I'm sure we'll have some more Britball pods and some other bits and bobs and random ones. Hard so, knocks. Oh, hard knocks. Yeah, we'll have a special hard knocks pod. You know, we'll have, we'll have all those. But, you know, I think you, I think you, you get it now with North London Fort. We're not going to be here smacking you in the head with just kind of stuff when there isn't really stuff to talk about apart from mm-hmm. what we're doing now but like um so we'll, we'll kind of come back to that but like look i think inye and myself you know we, we've exposed ourselves to be kind of fans of the sport and you know our hearts rule our heads for certain decisions right so you know that's why we had a fantasy team last season of tim tebow and rob gronkowski and terrell owens and um pac-man jones <laughs> and whoever, whoever right yeah. but, it, but it's like like going into fantasy whether it's the right move or whatever, you look at you look at Colin Kaepernick, you look at RG three, and you look at Russell Wilson, you, and you're like, if you had the number one pick in fantasy football, you shouldn't take one of them. But you're like, shit, I want to take one of them. You know, what I, mean? I want to take all three of them. You know, sure. I want to take those one and two. So, uh, but that's the fun thing, right? That's why we like it so much. But anyway, so but a sport that is happening and happening right now is the. Um, the NBA Finals, and it was decided this week, and the finals start tonight, so we decided to do this podcast to give you a little bit more information, get you up to speed if you've been struggling to watch it, so you can watch the finals and why Martin's coming on later, but we had Game 7, and it was all about a superstar performance from one of the world's most elite personalities, just got to say it, the way that Justin Bieber pulled off that black leather vest, man, popping. True. I, I, the day before, I'd actually watched uh, Summer Jam, uh, the the infamous New York hip hop concert that takes place each year. Imagine Glastonbury, but only with hip hop artists and R and B artists. And the common theme was <laughs> in, it's in, and, and and for the fans to just to connect it to the North London Forty fans, it's in uh, Giant slash Jet Stadium, MetLife Stadium. Yeah. In MetLife Stadium, which is absolutely useless for a concert. I, I don't think the stadium actually holds many concerts apart from such big events like Summer Jam. But uh, so what? So what exactly happened is it was. I would say that the stylistically it was Jodeci in '92. Everyone was wearing leather. It was boiling. It was so hot that I could feel it uh, through the UStream. But everyone was wearing leather. So it was nice to see Justin Bieber doing the same the day afterwards. Let's get to him in a second, but you touched on Summer Jam, and, and, and we should talk about that. Well, we shouldn't, but we are. We're going to talk about it. So your take on – tell people what happened at Summer Jam in case they don't use social media and they don't follow one rapper and they don't know what happened. Tell people what happened at Summer Jam. I like to watch Summer Jam every year because it's been going on for 20 years. It's an essential, important part of, of hip-hop and in music in general. Lots of amazing events have happened at Summer Jam – the Jay-Z Nas beef, that was kind of incorporated at Summer Jam. Jay-Z's beef with Mob Deep, that was incorporated in Summer Jam. Jay-Z bringing out Michael Jackson. Uh, the, the Summer Jam is about the hits. It's about celebrating what's good, what's going on right now. And it's, it's a great spectacle to see. It really is. If you can crystallize hip-hop down into one event, that is the event. But it's also one of those events that cements artists themselves. So if you've been living under a rock, you really should know who Kendrick Lamar is because he's everywhere. He's about to hit platinum. He is the biggest new star in hip-hop in a long, long time. And he was performing on stage, bringing out his friends, bringing out his crew or whatever, and it was it was fantastic. It was great. And he was closing see. the show, right? Yeah. No, he actually he wasn't closing the show. Hometown hero French Montana was closing the show. Supposed to be closing the show. Yes, he was supposed to be closed. Well, no, he still did close the show. Right, okay. Um, let me, I'll fill in all the Sorry, sorry, right sorry. All right, so because it's in New York, it's important to have a hometown hero to close out the show. So last year they had Wu-Tang do it. The year before they had some other people. Even if New York's not really the, you know, the best musically in hip-hop right now, they're still trying to find someone from New York to close the show. Anyway. Kendrick, who's obviously he's, he's, he's amazing. James has actually seen him live, and I'm sure you can attest that he's amazing live. I've actually only ever seen him live do like a talk. 
he's pretty good at that. But okay. <laughs> I've never actually he's, seen him do a concert. No, I haven't. He's so good live, he's great at talking. Now, David Cameron can't even say that. I don't, I've never heard David Cameron spit a Hot 16, but the way that he delivers speeches, <laughs> I don't think it's going to be any good. Either. Hot 16. <laughs> so, Kendrick is out there performing. Crowd was going crazy, singing along to his hits. It was fantastic. It was amazing to see. Kendrick, as we later know, uh, cuts his set short by five minutes. And all of a sudden, another rapper comes out from The Mist from 2006. It's like seeing Ocho Cinco appear for the, for the 49ers at the begin- on week one, you know, at the beginning of next season. It was, it was amazing. It was, it was Papoose. Now, if those <laughs> of you who don't know who Papoose is, first of all, continue to laugh because he's a rapper whose name is Papoose. Second of all, he was kind of big for about five minutes. He in, had next, in- didn't he, for five minutes? Yeah, for for he was he yeah he was he was gonna be the guy in two thousand and six. He signed to the world famous, world renowned hip hop label Jive, who you know of course signed NSYNC, Britney Spears. So we obviously know that he was gonna come out with a classic hip hop album. Also, little known fact, he was he was supposed to be the rapper that was gonna be Turtles rapper on Entourage, but he turned down that role and Saigon got it instead. So Papoose, who no one's ever heard of since 2006, comes up on stage, does one song, walks off, says free Remy Ma, and everyone is confused because basically you've had the Wu-Tang Clan, ASAP Rocky, Kendrick Lamar, and a bunch of other rappers open up for Papoose. And, and the guests, uh, right? Like Mariah Carey was, came yeah. on, and Nicki came on, and... Uh, Lil' Kim appeared. That's going to be weird at Lovebox seeing Lil' Kim. I don't think she's fully there yet, but at least she's moved on from doing Vanity 6 covers live. Yep. But, but yeah, basically all these great new stars, old stars, are like opened up for Papoose. It was, it was an amazing moment, and everyone was confused and trying to explain how that happened. So much so that when French Montana then went on afterwards, he barely was able to do three songs because technically people thought that Papoose had cut into French Montana's time when he actually hadn't. Look, the fact that we're talking about Hot 97, like, and I woke up that morning and it was all, it seemed to be very contrived to me. And, you know, and I looked at all the bloggers and they seemed to be over blogging about it. You know, Combat was on it and, you know, Ebro was up in the mix, kind of making it into this big deal. So what's your take on it now and reflection and what does this all kind of mean? Was this all staged by Hot 97 just to be talked about and there's talk that Rosenberg knew it was going to happen and did it? Is it just another stupid Hot 97 thing or is it just one of those random hip-hop things that kind of happened and that's kind of what people are interested in now? I don't think it's on the level of Boogie Down Production and PM Dawn, but I do (laughs) think... I do think that it was... I don't think it was necessarily staged. I do think that Kendrick, uh, he said he was doing a favour for Papoose. And I do think that they probably got paid a little bit of money. And, you know, this was all during Kendrick's set time. So so why not? But I think afterwards, I think basically what happened is you had the the bloggers, you had Ebro, you had the whole Twitter verse going on afterwards, trying to hype up the story afterwards. I think it was it was nice to see. I I shudder to think what favor you did to someone to allow you five minutes on the Summer Jam stage. Imagine if someone managed to sneak you onto the proms. That's probably the equivalent of it. Imagine if you just got up on the proms and did beatboxed for five minutes. <laughs> that that would be it. That's that's a complete national exposure. And, well, imagine, and yeah. no 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 you you're getting it twisted. Imagine if like. We got up there and did like this podcast live at the probs like this. We had a conversation like this. Yeah, with t-shirt cannons just shooting out our t-shirts into the crowd. Going boom and saying funny stuff. Anyway, we started with leather vests. Back to Bieber. Mm. Because a lot of people might have wanted to wake up on Tuesday morning and Mm. find out about the NBA finals. And the only thing they could find out about was... Justin Bieber. Isn't isn't that isn't that your first Google search of the day? I need to know what's going on with Bieber all the time. Well, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I, I, and I think the interesting thing is when you watch it, and we we don't we don't we have proper guests on to talk about what happened in the game, and they can talk about this, but it seems to be by far the biggest story. So Marv Albert um, talked about it, 
and at the time and, and respect, respect to Marv, obviously. The thing is about when you saw Bieber, and let's just Google the pictures of it and we'll, we'll, put, we'll put some stuff on a Tumblr. He just looks so pissed off. Right, and, mm-hmm. and and I don't know if people are, 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 are pissed off at him because of the the Keyshawn Johnson, Eric Dickerson thing, um, <laughs> which we can talk about in a sec if people don't know about that. But he just looks so pissed off, and he's drinking this water with this like robotic arm. Or if it's the fact that there's lots of footage out there with him when the Lakers were winning titles, he's courtside at the Lakers, just kind of doing Lakers stuff. Now he's doing Heat stuff, but like. The reaction has just been insane, right? And it's far outweighed the um, Beckham being courtside, having LeBron leaves the game after the Heat won. By the way, we just want to say, just want to say that in case anyone doesn't know at this <laughs> yeah, that, stage. That piece of information. Yeah, yeah, the Heat did win. By the way, uh, we get into that. But like, as he was leaving the court, he um, he left, heading towards the bench. He took the time to shake hands with David Beckham, who was who was sat courtside, which was amazing. And so was Julius Peppers, and he took time to, to basically shake hands with with uh, Julius Peppers. Tell everybody in case they don't know the Justin Bieber, Keyshawn Johnson, Eric Dickerson thing. We have to talk about that. All right, I'll, I'll hit that in a second. Let me just quickly mention uh, who Bieber was sitting next to, which all goes back to hip-hop. Bieber was sitting next to Young Money, Cash Money, Billionaires affiliate Lil Twist. Now, if you haven't been keeping up with your celebrity news, Lil Twist is basically the black friend that your parents probably didn't want you to hang out with. Now, Lil Twist has got a really stupid haircut, and he looks all innocuous and and, and and the like. But he obviously must have some incredible dirt of Justin Bieber, so much so that he is sitting courtside with Bieber everywhere. There is no there is no sense for their friendship at all. It makes no sense. It's just opportunistic. I think basically Lil Twist is Justin Bieber's weed carrier. And we don't know, you know, this hasn't been confirmed in a song yet, but... But anyway, back to Justin Bieber's erratic driving the week, the same week that Chief Keith did some erratic driving and then told a police officer who asked him, why were you driving 110 miles per hour? And Chief Keith told him, because I've got a fast car. Um, Justin Bieber was driving <laughs> recklessly in his... Amazing. <laughs> Justin Bieber was driving recklessly in his gated community because, you know, nothing impresses women as, as much as driving really fast in your gated community, uh, only to be chased down by Keyson Johnson in, in a car. Not, not, I don't think he's got the legs to keep can up I, with can a, I just a fast inter- car. Can anymore. I just interrupt at this juncture? Yes. Does, does gated community ever get a pause after it? No, because I don't think we should ever do the pause game on the on the, the actual pod. Although we probably have many a time. All right, okay. I will say this: Miami has way too many gated communities in general, though. I don't, I don't know what you're they're trying to keep out, you know. Anyway, so Keyshawn Johnson, you know, managed the corner Bieber's car, and then Bieber did what every self-respecting man should do and ran into the house and locked the door while Keyshawn tried to get in and try and explain to him that maybe you shouldn't be speeding up and down your gated community and your really fast car. So so Bieber is obviously out there making friends. I think the annoying thing about Bieber is this, is that, yeah, okay, the world, you know, little girls like him and he's, he's kind of shoved down our throats, but in reality, we all get our media from different places. So Justin Bieber isn't as ubiquitous as let's say Eiffel 65 were when Blue was a single back in 99 or whatever but I think the problem is is that everything he does is slightly wrong and I can't blame it on the fact that he's Canadian I just have to blame it on the fact that he's weird and you can't be seen within two years of wearing a Kobe Bryant jersey courtside at the Lakers to then be seen wearing a frankly disgusting Miami Heat uh, (laughs) stonewashed hat and then looking miserable you, you can't because unfortunately, people of a people of my age, you immediately think of John Thompson from the Fast Show at the Arsenal game, right? <laughs> it's like, who are we supporting this week, right? Yes. And, and, and you're right. If you wanna if you wanna polarize people in America right now, manage the heat, right? But obviously, yeah. if you're Flo Rider, who was also courtside, and your mm. name is Flo Rider, you're attached to the Heat, right? And when yeah. after next season, when LeBron moves back to Cleveland or LA and, 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 and the Miami Heat have a bunch of scrubs playing there, then, you know, Flo Rida theoretically is still going to go. If you haven't seen the footage of uh, a couple of things happen with Flo Rida, and I don't think we were talking about Flo Rida on this podcast before. I didn't think we ever would, but we're going to go we, there. We have tried to get him on the pod numerous times, but he said no. So, t- so two things happened with Flo Rida. So number one, 
his manager, who was sat next to him, Norris Cole, gets chucked out of the game for not actually. He was actually very unlucky for getting thrown out of the game. Norris Cole, in case you don't know him, he's not a particularly famous Miami Heat player. He's probably like five ten, hundred and eighty pounds. You know, a small guy. There's this guy who's like six eight, two sixty. Who shoves him over. And Norris Cole comes back at him as if to say, you know, hold me back, hold me back. Gets chucked out the game. And then Flo Rida's manager starts popping shots off. He gets thrown out the game. But it kind of worked because then Marv Albert's All of America just goes, there's Flo Rida's manager getting chucked out. And, and Reggie Miller chimes in. So he kind of won. So that happens. But Flo Rida, talking about looking stupid, was wearing, he has a gold pendant, which is like a big pharaoh's head. Like a big pharaoh's head. It's kind of the size of a sort of small American football. And at halftime on the TNT coverage, which, again, if you haven't seen, it's punditry at a level. I mean, Martin Henlon obviously obviously is great, but this is punditry at a a level that you've never seen before. Keel O'Neill, Charles Barkley, two of the biggest celebrities in American sports, basically just sitting there, just arsing around. Just not really doing any analysis. Just taking the piss out of everyone. It's just amazing. The fact that they can get away with it, and America just loves it. Because they are so big and so larger than life. You know, they don't really have to sort of talk any sense. They just... Just it's imagine Sky Sports Soccer Saturday crew actually trying to be serious. It, it, it doesn't really work. So Barkley's calling Flow Rider, where they showed the pendant, and he's like... I think... I can't use his exact words, but like he was, he was like, oh yeah, if I saw that guy in an alleyway, I'd knock him out. I'd take that. That's like a million dollar chain there. I'd knock that guy out. And he sort of said that on American TV and everyone's like, oh, all right, yeah, fair enough. They could kind of do that. But all things that are attached to Game 7. But um, Flo Rider was sitting in the Young Money, Cash Money, Billionaire's front row seats. How do you know this? I listened to the Jalen Rose podcast just before <laughs> we did this. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm not ashamed to say that we do research before we do this podcast. Okay. So anyway... Let's get serious. Let's talk about Game 7. Time for a guest. We had this gentleman on at the start of the playoffs, previewing the playoffs. Seems like years ago now, um, but it seemed absolutely apt. Now the playoffs have been decided and we have the finals starting late Thursday night to bring this guy back on to talk about, preview the finals, talk about the playoffs that have happened so far. One of our favourite basketball pundits, actually scrub basketball, sports in general, pundits in this country. He's an Olympian He's played for a um, bunch of teams in the UK and in the US. Martin Henlon. Martin, welcome back to North London 40. How's it going? Uh, great to be here, James. And welcome and hello to all your uh, podcasters out there. So, Martin, we got the Spurs. We got the Heat in the finals. It's kind of how we predicted, right? Or is it? Yeah, well, it was... I had a feeling that this was going to be the final at the start of the playoffs. So... But I didn't expect the twists and turns that we've had. I certainly didn't expect it to take so long for Miami to get here. Um, and, of course, San Antonio, very thankful for one knee injury to a young Mr. Russell Westbrook at Oklahoma City that made their journey a lot, lot smooth for them. But, yeah, we've got, we've got the final, the, the, the best one we could hope for um, when you look at the teams in terms of personnel available that, that are left. So let's look back a little bit, and as we look forward in the last pod, and let's look, look back a little bit, and we're going to preview the finals in a little bit to how we got to where we are now. Martin, you made a great point. Oklahoma City, it was all set up for them to defend in the West. They lost Russell Westbrook to an injury. Was that the defining moment in the Western playoffs as you see it this season? No, I don't, actually. As I said at the outset, I I like San Antonio anyway coming into the playoffs. They were well-rested. The the only problem, the concern that they had was Tony Parker uh, picked up an ankle injury at the back end of the season. But if he was getting back anywhere near to his regular season form, he was going to be able, in my opinion, was going to be able to lead them past Oklahoma City. I think it made for a much more straightforward path. Uh, but don't forget, two weeks ago, before San Antonio got to meet Memphis in the semifinals, everybody was talking about the upstart Golden State Warriors and how they were clearly about to knock off, uh, you know, knock off the, the Spurs and give them trouble, and we're going to have a new king crowned in the West. So it's not been straightforward. And you know, you're right. It's always good to recap the playoffs. The one thing, my well, one criticism of the NBA is how it seems to take 
two months to uh, get through 17 games to win a championship in the playoffs, whereas they get 82 games done in you know, four months flat in the regular season. Absolutely. So the West, and again, it seems like absolutely weeks ago now, but San Antonio ended up sweeping the Memphis Grizzlies in four games. No one really predicted that, Martin. Why did you think the Spurs were able to sweep the Grizzlies in four games and obviously coming into the finals with tons of form? Well, the, the, the whole point about Grizzlies, let's talk about those guys first. You know, they were something of an upstart. They, they had a, a bit of a, a score to settle with the, with the L.A. Clippers, which they did handily. And off the back of that, when they lost uh, game one, uh, you know, they, were, they were accustomed to coming from behind. So when they lost the first game in San Antonio, they, were, you know, they probably weren't, a little, you know, weren't concerned. But what they didn't bank on was the confidence that was growing of the San Antonio Spurs. And so when they went back to the grindhouse in Memphis expecting to, to blow the Spurs apart, the Spurs came ready. So let's talk, we have to talk about Golden State uh, quickly as we kind of move out of the West. For me, one of the most exciting teams to watch in the whole of the playoffs. Um, they had injuries and, and all teams had this playoffs. What do you think about that team? Do you think that's a team that's going to be around next year, Martin? They've got cap issues next season. They have a bunch of money sunk into a bunch of bench players. They've got some decisions to make in the off. What do you think of Golden State? And do you think um, they've got a future in the Western Conference? First of all, I, I, I don't have the necessary uh, uh, academic qualifications to, to work way, my way through the collective bargaining agreement and the salary cap. Few do. Just in terms of that, that, that Golden State team, if I was trying to sell the NBA to somebody who's never watched a basketball game before, I'd roll that team out there. That, that team had all the excitement, the fun. You know, Steph Curry, who had a fantastic shooter. Clay Thompson, when he was making shots, was fantastic. And yes, they got the personnel that can certainly make a splash for years to come. And even if the franchise itself doesn't sustain, you know, in Steph Curry, we have finally seen another superstar in the making. So, you know, the prospect for the Warriors is, is, is very good. They've got a great location in terms of the, the home fan base is terrific for them. What's much to like about their chances? You're right, they've got some issues in the bench in terms of some of that cap space, but, you know, as soon as the likes of Beardrin stop stealing money, there's only 12 million he stole up in this year for uh, 78, did not play in his stat line. As soon as they get rid of some of those guys, you know, it, it's how you can change and adapt and, and mould your team going forward. Now, Andrew Bogut, if he's healthy, they'll be great. Uh, David Lee's had his hip surgery now, so expect him to be good. They've got the core of the front of the, the, the front line that will serve him for years to come. And that, that, that core, if Clay Thompson can continue to play like he did in the playoffs, then they are really set for you for a long, long time. I'm not sure if they'll be ready to take over the crown of the West because I think they're healthy. Russell Westbrook make uh, Oklahoma very difficult to handle. And then Houston Rockets, who knows how good they will be next, year, next time around because they've got a lot of cap space and they've got a great core in terms of James Harden. And the Lakers won't be down for long. So Golden State have had their chance to shine and they will now become a top four team for me in the West. So that's the West, uh, which was um, tied up about a week ago, a week and a half ago now, and, and San Antonio um, were the victors of, of, that, of that particular conference. And we'll come back to them in a sec. We'll look at the matchup. Let's go over to the East. So, the East was didn't quite turn out as maybe some of us predicted. If, Martin, on that preview podcast um, many weeks ago now, we'd sat there and we said, right, it's going to come down to seven games between the Pacers and the Heat. I don't think anybody thought that, right? You know, quietly, that was where I thought it was going. You know, if you remember back in the podcast we talked about before, uh, I said, I'm not sold on the New York Knicks. Um, and, and that proved to be the point, you know, the, the case. They, were not, you know, they weren't as good as advertised. Uh, you know, there was, there, they had issues with Carmelo and trying to bring back Stoudemire. And then you had J.R. Smith, who had his knucklehead moment when he elbowed uh, uh, Jet Terry for the Boston Celtics in, in, in that series. Martin, he had been out clubbing with Rihanna the night before. He had been out clubbing with Rihanna the night before, so we can excuse why he lost his mind for 24 hours. <laughs> yeah, OK, going to blame Riri. <laughs> yeah, okay. Where would you have gone? Would you have gone to the club with Rihanna or got yourself ready to play uh, an NBA series? I know, I know which one was going to put money in my bank account. You know, so we're blaming Rihanna. Yeah, okay, that's fine. 
look, the Knicks were, were always, uh, I think, oversold. <laughs> if the Knicks were playing in um, Golden State or Memphis, we wouldn't even have been thinking about them. It's because they were playing in New York, in Madison Square Garden. The NBA, the press, uh, you know, all of the media wanted the Knicks to be really, really good. And the truth was they were an okay team. And if you take away, and the next best team after Miami, if you leave Miami streets ahead of everybody else, you're looking at uh, Indiana. You know, they, were, they had a bit of a blip uh, in the, just after the All-Star game. But to me, in terms of performance and results, they were clearly um, the second best team in the East. Now, I didn't think for one minute they were going to be able to take Miami to seven. But they just proved how tough they were. And, and again, you've, you've had some coming out parades for a couple of superstars uh, in the making. Poor George, who has no ceiling on how far and how far he's going to go and how good he will be. And Roy Hibbert proved that mixed martial arts training is the is the new it's, it's the new aerobics for basketball players. They're all going to be going in the in the octagon and getting seven bells beat out of them, thinking that they're going to get that kind of performance out of them. But Hibbert has come on enormously. The Pacers were uh, proved to be a tough team, a tough out. Um, and Miami were, some would say, a little bit fortunate because they could have gone to Indiana um, down two games in the Eastern Conference Finals. You know, the, but they were the champions, and so for all the, the criticism that people gave uh, to the officials, you, you're always going to lean to the to the, the direction of the the, uh, the the reigning champion, the guys with the ring. So yeah, it was it maybe was a little bit seven on five at certain times because the men in grey looked like they had heat jerseys underneath the, the referees' tops. Uh, but you know the best team won out, and and let me ask you this: if I if I said to you that Miami had been upset in the Eastern Conference Finals, and we were looking to a basketball purists championships matchup of San Antonio and Indiana, we wouldn't be anywhere near as excited as we are right now. You're right, or a Memphis Indiana Finals. I don't think the NBA lets that happen personally, but um... <laughs> no, no, that was that was never allowed. <laughs> but no. In fact, I think David Stern would have been on the phone at halftime to the referee saying, "Nope, got to change this one round." Yeah, he'd be referring to a break clause in a bunch of advertiser contracts saying they could all pull out at the, <laughs> at the 18th hour. But I think you're right. I think the best two teams won out. But it was such a great series, as you say. The Heat aren't the Heat in the 27-game winning streak. You know, they've had to adjust, and, and they're a different team. But I think you're right. To see Indiana do what they did and play them the way that they did, use physicality when necessary, it was great for everybody to watch. And, you know, yeah. you've got people rooting against the Heat, but they're like the, they're like the people that you love to hate, right? But still, they want, yeah. they want LeBron to, to have his ceiling. And, you know, it was a really, really fascinating series. And as you say, these things come down to points. But Game 7 seemed to be... Look, if LeBron plays out of his mind, and he, you could say he's played a lot better than that, but his record, you looked at his record in Game 7s, the best in the history of this league, you looked at it, right? There was only going to be one winner in that Game 7, yeah. don't you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and uh, uh, it, was, it was funny, I was in the studio covering Game 7 for, uh, uh, for Sky Sports. And Carl Brown, who's the, the other pundit with me, was desperate for Miami, and he was really nervous before the game. And I said, you know, come on, man, you've got the best player on the planet. Uh, you know, he's averaging 34 points a game in game sevens in his NBA career. So LeBron was always going to show up. And if any of the other big three turned up, Miami was going to be fine. And, it, and, it, and so it played out. And don't forget, Indiana was young. This was their first time on this big stage. It, the cards were stacked against them. And I, and I know, it's a, you know it's a game seven, so it's a one-off. And there's no, better, uh, there's no more exciting words in American sport than game seven, except for maybe Super Bowl. Uh, but, you know, Miami was, was up to the challenge. And they always were. The best team won out, but, but take nothing away from Indiana. Because the way they played... Uh, showed that how the NBA has changed so much that while everybody was hating Miami because of the way that the big three put themselves together, other franchises have adapted now. So it's not going to be, what, what did LeBron say, not three, not four, not five. They're going to be all they can do to get two rings. If they can win this championship this year, I do not have Miami as favorites for the next year. But we're not, we're not getting that far ahead of ourselves. You know, the, 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 the league has changed. Uh, teams are getting better, uh, and the Eastern Conference is getting tougher. Uh, but Miami were clearly, you know, if we get that 27-game winning streak, you know, in the regular season, uh, you know, to, to put together a 27-game winning streak is by no means easy. However, you know, Miami just got on a roll, and it was routine, night in, night out, that they were able to come up against different teams and beat them. Once you get to the, the, a game, a seven-game series, it's 
never straightforward. You know, it, it, and every time, every game, at the end of each of the games in the Eastern, in the Eastern Conference Championships, after every, after Miami won, wins game one, they're like, oh, you know, Miami's going to come and blow Indiana away. Indiana gets home court advantage, oh, the Heat are in trouble. Every time, after each game, someone said the other team was, gonna, was just going to blow up, go off and kill the other team. It was never going to be like that. You know, that's why they play seven-game series. Otherwise, they just have them... Uh, best of one will play our first half, and whoever teams up at halftime, put them through. Miami has proved themselves to be the best team in the regular season and the toughest team in the Eastern Conference thus far. One of the sections that I loved you guys doing on Sky Sports, and it created a bit of controversy. People, you know Martin likes controversy. He, like, he likes uh, turning oh, yeah. that wooden spoon. He loves it. He's become world-renowned for it. But let's reflect on it quickly. So let's look at maybe your quick thoughts on if you were to call an all-playoff team, based on the playoffs as a whole, and we can look back on that, and we should because it's been so many games, it's been on for so long. LeBron, Tim Duncan, obviously in. We don't need to talk about that. The other three spots. Who are you calling in for those other three spots? And so maybe a quick sixth man for the playoffs as a whole, Martin. Who's really impressed you across the playoffs? We forgot. When, when we were all, all hyped up on Memphis and Golden State, the San Antonio and Miami players were, were being ignored because they'd already done their job and they were sitting at home in the, in the jacuzzi and, and drinking their cocktails on South Beach. Tony Parker has been fantastic for me. Clearly, Steph Curry, I think, has to be mentioned as, as one of the, the, the top guards. Uh, and then I'm, I'm going to be critical of some of the guys that didn't show up. See, I was high on James Harden and what he did. Uh, Kevin Durant, of course, was fantastic. So there's five guys already. But I think some of the Clippers underperformed. So Chris Paul, as good as he was in that series, he didn't get it done. So, you know, you, you've got guys like him. Blake Griffin was missing in action. I don't think he's a playoff tough kind of player. Uh, I'd throw Carmelo into the mix because he, he basically carried the Knicks on his own. So for, for better or worse, the, the Knicks were going to be as good as Carmelo's 30 shots were going to take them. That was it. You've had other stories. Now, Paul George will be the, the, the name at the front of everybody's minds now, as will Roy Hibbert. But I guarantee that if you put Roy Hibbert, Marcus Sol, and Tim Duncan in the pot, Roy Hibbert would be the, the one name, would be the last name you'd want to choose out. So he's still a third string in terms of the, the quality of the big men. Duncan is clearly the best man that you're going to want to have. For me, my five, I've got to have Duncan. I've got to have Tony Parker from the Spurs. I'm going to have uh, Kevin Durant, LeBron James, and James Harden. And that was my start. That was my my, my all-star five after the first round. And it's still the same after, as you get to the final. I'm going to throw in two quick names that are going to be sixth and seventh man because I think individually some of the best performances I've seen two names Nate Robinson number one and Birdman number two Nate Robinson somebody had to score the ball <laughs> I'm being hard on him look you know uh, mini Superman as I call him is played fantastic for Chicago that was one of the best individual performances I've ever seen in the, the Nets game, in the double OT for one player to do what he did in one game. I've never seen yeah. anything like that. One game. That's, it's a, that's, and that's the whole point. And, and you know, I'm, I'm with you on that, you know, in terms of an incredible performance. He was, you know, that was one of the, you know, defining moments of the playoffs. But again, I'll ask you this. If, okay, you've got your starting five. If you have him as your sixth or seventh man on his playoff performance, absolutely you're going to take him. I mean, that, 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 to bring the, net, the, the balls back the way they were, I mean, the balls are basically playing with three healthy guys uh, and, and, you know, and, and did a number on the net. So they you know, hats off to them. They were fantastic. And then they went and win game one in Miami as well. So great heart performance. But they just proved how far emotion will take you. Uh, they were not. Uh, so, yeah, Nate, I'll take him. What was the other guy you said? Birdman. Oh, the Birdman, <laughs> yeah. Come on. Uh, it's another one for entertainment value. Look, he added a spark to Miami. And I'll say this, and I guess it's a, a compliment by criticizing. If he hadn't got himself suspended for game six, I think Miami would have gone and won in Indiana and got it done. He upset the rhythm of the team. What he gave them was energy. He gave them an inside presence when Chris Bosh had decided he was having no part of David West and Roy Hibbert. So without the bird, I think Miami is in big, big trouble. But again, I ask you this. If you had to put, pick your seventh man, your backup big man, would it be uh, Chris Anderson? Probably not, but certainly he's a lot of fun to watch. And I just love the way he gets up. I just love that he's got amazing strings. Okay, he's long at 6'10", but he bounces just, you know, he, he gets flies up around the rim. That's why they call him the bird. 
That's why I'm not an NBA coach, Martin, because my starting eleven would be full of people like that and guys that guys that win the dunk <laughs> your contest. Fa- your fantasy yeah, yeah. team would score some points in the preseason, but I think they'd get killed by Christmas. Uh, absolutely. Think think Spurs, Aussie Ardila's famous five. That's that's what I'm going with. So we'll do that. So let's move on to the finals. So it's going to be amazing. The Heat go into it as favourites, not by a lot, but to me, this series, the guy that's Look, it hinges kind of on the performance of one guy for me, and we haven't mentioned him so far, and it's telling that we haven't mentioned him. Miami Heat, Dwayne Wade. Yeah, well, I think it's sad to say, I think with D Wade, we've got what we're going to get. You know, he's a he's he's he is flash no more. Uh, he's a shadow of himself. He's carrying this this uh, this knee bruise that's clearly hobbling him. But again, if you look at him in Game Seven against uh, Indiana. He came up with some huge plays. So mentally, he's still right there. And you see, he was completely passive in post-game interviews as well. You know, said we just did what we had to do. You'd rather have him with you than against you. But ultimately, you look at the matchup as well. Where I think, first of all, let me disagree with you somewhat. I think there's a lot of people now that are on the side of San Antonio. A lot of people think the Spurs, and not just the haters of the Heat. There's a lot of people think San Antonio have got what it takes to beat this Miami Heat team over seven games. But I think matchup-wise, it's a little easier for Dwayne Wade than it would than it was against Indiana. You know, in Indiana, the athletes were being more, were more pesky. You know, when Ginobili comes into the game for uh, San Antonio, that's nowhere near as fearful for Dwayne Wade as it was trying to you know go up against uh, Paul George or even George Hill. You know, more longer, athletic guys. Wade will be able to get to the basket, and we know he's a great passer as well. So there's a lot rides on him. But I'll say this for Miami. Either him or Bosch have to play at a sustained high level in this championship series if if Miami wants to win another ring. The Chris Bosch-Tim Duncan matchup. What do you think about that, Martin? Well, you know, big fundamental is, you know, Tim Duncan has been terrific. You know, he's, he's like a rejuvenated teenager, 38 years young. The edge has to go to Duncan because Bosch can't rebound with him. Bosch can't hold him down in the low post and stop him from scoring. If Duncan's averaging 20 points a game in this in this championship series, I think you can pretty much put it in the book that San Antonio will win. Where Bosch has the edge, and we saw a little bit of it, at, you know, well, we saw three shots of it in Game 7 against Indiana, is his ability to stretch and take the big fella away from the basket. If he starts getting his game going and starts having some confidence shooting the ball and, and making the mid-range jump shots. We know he can shoot threes. He's got to be able to make the 18 to 20-foot shot consistently so when Wade and LeBron penetrate and kick, he comes up big. Defensively, he's not going to be able to stop Duncan. And he's got to get back to rebounding as well. If Bosch is only averaging three rebounds, then Miami could, it will be in trouble. San Antonio have a big three. They have the best player of potentially the last generation, Tim Duncan. Some people say Kobe, but Duncan is obviously in the shout. LeBron, the best player of this generation. We know that. Tony Parker, Dwayne Wade, we talked about Ginobili, Chris Bosh. They both have a big three. Okay, maybe those guys cancel each other out. Then we look to the bench, right? We have the Miami bench and their support players. San Antonio's bench and their support players. Looking at it, you take San Antonio's support role players at this point any day, right? Yeah, I think I, I think I have to agree with you there. You know, so I'm, I generally I look for controversy and try to, to disagree as much as possible. But <laughs> occasionally one, you have to you. agree. No, this, this San Antonio bench is great for the system that they play. So it's more about Popovich, uh, uh, Coach Popovich's system. He's got the players that match what he wants to do. So whether that's Matt Bonner coming out and being a stretch four, shooting the three points, and still being really tough uh, on the glass. Uh, Corey Joseph, who's been a fantastic backup point guard for them, and Gary Neal, who, you know, hard to believe two years ago, I'm commentating on him playing in, in Italy and, and berating him for the poor shot selection. He's been a natural fit there. You know, he, he, they, they've got the tools so that when they change and bring their substitutes in, it changes the, the outlook of the game as well. So they can go fast, they can go slow. And, you know, it was a game three against Memphis where... Um, Popovich got so fed up with his starters, he's benched all all five of them and put the the five bench team in, and they went off on a run. So they have those tools. And I will take that over what Miami's got, where you've got Ray Allen, 
came up huge in Game 7, but he's been struggling. Shane Battier is missing in action. You know, Norris Cole, well, now, uh, the, the NBA hasn't ruled on whether like, he'll get suspended for Game 1, but he, uh, you know, stupid to get into a fight with 30 seconds left in Game 7 and get ejected uh, for, against Pendergraft. So, you know, the, the Miami bench... Well, the good thing about that was, Martin, at least Flo Rider's manager got ejected as well. So that was the one good yeah. thing. <laughs> Can you believe that? <laughs> the thing is, Flo Rider was so... He said, look, threaten to fire his manager if he doesn't go and take it, go and start a fight on Norris Cole. What made me laugh about that, Norris Cole got thrown out of the game for looking like he was thinking about having a fight. You know, he didn't throw a punch, he didn't do anything. The pendograph was the stupid one, but Norris Cole's got to be bigger than that and walk away. You know... This is what makes this matchup so great. You talk about the bench of this team. It's from 1 to 12. You know, the benches, the, both teams are extremely good at what they do for it themselves. And then the coaches even, you know, for Popovich has been around forever doing what he does. But Spolster has been a master of managing this Miami team. Uh, you know, he doesn't. He, he has to be a player's coach because basically the, the, the team does what LeBron wants to do. But he's, he's managed his troops well. And he's, even though he's... He's got efforts from players that you weren't expecting. You know, even Joel Anthony, who I think is another one who should be wearing a mask when he plays for stealing money. Um, <laughs> he played really. He played really well in Game Six. Okay, he didn't score, but he rebounded. He blocked some shots. He gave energy. This uh, this Miami team is tuned in, and it, it's all you can almost wipe the slate clean. What's gone for the first three out playoff series for both these teams? It's almost like we're back at preseason, back at day one, and now you've got to think. Okay, which team would I take if I had to put my life on it? Which team would I want to take over seven games? So let's talk. We need a prediction, Martin. How do you see it panning out, and how many games do you? see this right. thing panning out okay. over. I, I, I like Miami in six, and here's why. I think the, you know, there's a lot of the, the big question you're going to hear in the run-up to the game one is about rest versus rust. San Antonio's been off for 10 days, uh, but we saw what happened with Miami when they played Chicago off, off the back of a week's rest. It, it, you're just not as sharp as you'd like to be. So I think game one goes Miami's way. And Popovich has uh, been around long enough that if his team is down, he'll just pull his troops, sit them down and get ready for game two. Game two, for me, is where it gets interesting because that, I think, is the game that San Antonio is targeting. Clearly, they'll take the you know, game one if they can get it, but if things don't go well in game one, they're going to be working on some things, and they've got some adjustments, and they've got some, some cards up their sleeve that they won't show in game one because game two is the one that they're going after. Uh, Miami, I think, will, are still on a bit of a high from winning game one. You know, their confidence has got to be getting back to where it was coming into the Indiana series. So they, I think, will be very tough at home. The Miami crowd, for the second time in the entire season, will turn up on time uh, for the game instead of waiting until midway through the second quarter. So they have a full gym. It'll be rocking. Look at Miami to win game one. Game two, that's where I think San Antonio could could turn things around. But when they go back to San Antonio, it's this 2-3-2 two, two format. That's the big change we've gotten in the finals. You know, they go 2 Two, two, one, one, one. But then they get the finals to play two in Miami. They got three in San Antonio. I think Miami comes ready and takes Game Three, no matter what happens. So either way up, they're either up two, one, or or uh, or three, zero at that point. And then I think it's just you're into a closeout situation. So if it gets to seven, as a lot of people are predicting at the moment, I've got to, you've got to think Miami. You've got to fancy Miami to, to do the job at home. But if it does get to seven, that will mean San Antonio is rolling. So it's a little more shaky. For me, I see Miami winning game one, San Antonio two, and then I've got Miami winning game three. Uh, and I think then San Antonio gets four, so we get 2-2. Two, two. But then I think San, Miami to win the game uh, five in San Antonio and finish it off in six at home. But if I, if I was talking to the bookmakers right now, and I don't know what the spread is on game one, They're I would a lot closer. I would take Miami all the way in game one. They have it, people. You've heard it from someone who knows this sport. Pretty much better than anyone in this country. Martin, what's the best way for people to watch the game, hear your punditry throughout the finals? The games, all the, the finals are live on both ESPN and Sky. So if you, if you want to have a bit of punditry, you go across and watch it live on Sky Sports. If you like watching lots of adverts, go and take ESPN's <laughs> coverage. You know, so, so that's been the biggest criticism we've had in the studio this, uh, this far. Because I'm traveling, I'm, not, I'm out for game two. In fact, I won't be in the studio until game five. So that's uh, next Sunday night to Monday morning. If, if game five happens. Uh, game five is going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> so look, a lot, a lot of things, there's been a lot of twists and turns. And yeah, we were all surprised when San Antonio swept Memphis. 
but neither one of these teams is, is, has got sweet material. The fatigue factors kicked in. Um, you know, we are at the back end of a ruthless season. Um, you know, both teams have played up close to 100 games so far. You know, to, to maintain the energy level required to beat a team four times straight at this point of the season is just not one you can bank on. So you heard it, people. Sky Sports, um, Martin's there for Game 5. Before that, you're going to hear Kevin and Carl Brown and the rest of the lads in there doing a brilliant job. Um, the games are yeah, also... And, and, and just for, for any old BBL fans, rumour has it there is a surprise appearance from one-time Le- London Leopards coach Billy Mims has flown in from Florida just Damn. to do Game 1. So, um, you know, there'll be a lot of hair grease on the set, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it'd be a nice trip down memory lane to see uh, old Billy Mims back in his old stomping grounds in London. So, yeah, I, I like the mix that they have with guests at Sky this year. It's been, a, it's been a lot of fun doing the NBA coverage for them, and I really, really hope that, that Sky picks it up again for uh, next season because I think it'd be... I'm not a fan of, of going to endless uh, ads, you know, and I'm I, you know, I watch March Madness college basketball on ESPN, but I get so fed up of watching the same trailers over and over again. And studio, studio punditry for me is all—it's all about the mistakes they make. That's where the fun comes in. So you know, I'm, I'm hoping it goes across over onto Sky next year. But you know, it's been a lot of fun, a great journey. And to all the tw- all your Twitter followers out there, keep slamming the studio pundits. I love watching them cringe and say, "Oh no, there's a troll after me." Hey, Martin, you're one of the main reasons why the punditry has been so great on that channel this season, and you know, it's really helped it come alive to fans in this country that have seen some brilliant playoffs are going to be tuned into a brilliant series. The Miami Heat is now the most successful sports team in South Florida since the Miami. Dolphins of 1971-72-73. That's how long it is since Miami's had, South Florida has had a great sports team. Although saying that, there's only been the Dolphins, the Heat, and uh, the Marlins. You know, Tampa Bay, the Marlins and the, the, the Tampa Bay Devils don't really count. But South Florida's crying out for good professional sports, and we won't talk about the ice hockey teams. But this is the best <laughs> professional sports team in Florida since the early 70s. That's how important this is to Miami. Man. It's it's unbelievable, right? It's unbelievable, yeah. and you know what? What happens in the future with the Heat and Pat Riley and stuff? Who knows, right? But it's um, you just got to enjoy it, right? You just got to enjoy yeah, yeah. it, Martin. Thanks ever so much for coming on Northline and Forty, and we'll speak to you soon. Yeah, thanks a lot, James. Cheers, and great, great, great podcast. Loving it. You heard it from Martin. NBA final starts tonight. Check it out. Get ready for some late nights. Get ready for some excitement. And um, yeah, thoroughly recommend it. And if people want to get us get us on Twitter, talk NBA stuff, talk NFL stuff, talk whatever they want. They they can do that. NorthLondon40.com at NLDN40 on the Twitter. Find us on iTunes. Find us on Mixcloud. Find us on Stitcher. That's it. Take care.